All right, well, hey, everybody. Good to be with you this morning. Um, you guys are in for a treat again. My friend Tom Thatcher. Tom shared with us a few weeks back, I guess about a month ago. And um, for those of you who maybe weren't here, Tom's a good friend of mine. He was, he was a professor of mine at Cincinnati Christian University. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just been a great, a great friend, mentor. Uh, just, you know, he's an awesome guy. And he's a guy that loves Jesus, loves his word. Yeah. And he works with Dave Workman, if you guys know Dave Workman from Vineyard Cincinnati. They work um, in, a, uh, in a group, um, elemental churches, and they come alongside churches and, um, uh, I don't know, nonprofit organizations to just help them with kind of organizing and alignment and grants and all kinds of stuff. And so he just does a lot of stuff to help people stay on mission, find their mission, and live into the mission. So um, you guys are going to love him. I do. And um, <laughs> So I'm just going to pray for you, Tom. Please, man. And um, Jesus, just would you pour yourself out through Tom today? Would you speak to him? Would you speak through him? Would you just anoint him, Father, today? Would he just say some things that um, you once said in ways that people can and need to hear it? Lord, would you just bless my brother? I thank you for his life. I thank you for his heart. I thank you for his desire to see your kingdom come. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I pray that um, our that our hearts would just be aligned with heaven today, that our ears, that our minds, our thoughts, Lord, that we would be people that can hear from you. Lord, help us know things can change. And I pray a lot of things would for people today where people need breakthrough, where we desperately need revival. In Jesus' name, Father, amen. Amen. Thanks, dude. Thanks, dude. Love hey, you. Hey, y'all. Man. Thanks for letting me come back. It must not have been that bad. So uh, the last time I was here was the day the Bengals were playing in the Super Bowl. Remember that? They lost, in case you didn't hear about that. I don't know if that was my fault or yours, but uh, it's really cool to be back here this morning. Oh, and the last time I was here, too, gas didn't cost $4 a gallon either, and we weren't on the edge of World War III, so it's amazing how much things can change in the space of a month. You know, a wise man once said, you don't have because you don't ask. That wise man was Jesus' brother, uh, James. James was one of the top five leaders in the early church in New Testament times, probably actually the number one person in terms of power and influence. And James wrote a book in the Bible that's called James. And one of his more famous quotes in that book is, you don't have because you don't ask God. But you may be sitting here thinking, well, but I have asked God a bunch. And I still ain't got what I want. Even when I'm asking for other people and not just for myself, I ask and God doesn't answer. So James doesn't know what he's talking about. But you know what? Ask again. So today we're going to look at a story from the Gospel of Mark chapter 7. This is a story about a woman who needed something very badly and she asked for it and she got it. What she needed was for her daughter to be healed of a very serious mental illness. And she asked for that to happen, and it happened because she got Jesus to change his mind. You ever thought you could get God to change his mind about something? Like God is thinking, I'm going to do this over here this way, and you change his mind? You ever thought you could do that? Well, whatever you think about that, this woman that we're going to talk about in Mark chapter 7, whose name we do not even know, by the way, this woman got Christ to change his mind. You don't have because you don't ask. So the story goes like this. And if you want to read this, by the way, it's Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. If you're the kind of person that likes to follow along in your Bible 
or look it up on your phone as I'm talking about it. Mark chapter 7, 24 through 30. We have seen in the Gospel of Mark, if you've been here the last couple months, that Jesus travels around a lot, all over the place. At one point, Jesus goes up on the Mediterranean coast around the coastal city of Tyre. T-Y-R-E, Tyre, which is in a larger region they called Sidon, named after another coastal city called Sidon, which is today in the modern country of Lebanon, as in like Beirut. I think these guys have a map. Do you have a map you want to show them with this? Or maybe you can just look on your phone, just go to Google Maps, because Tyre is still there today. And up in this region, you've got a lot of Jews living, but it's not primarily Jewish territory. It was mixed a lot of Jews, but also a bunch of people that the Jews would call Greeks, which means they are pure pagans, man. People who are ethnically and culturally not Jewish. They spoke the Greek language, and they lived the way that Greek and Roman people lived, and they worshiped the Roman deities, and they were ethnically not Jewish, just not Jewish at all, and never had been for generations back. Now, Jesus' plan was to do a tour of this area around Tyre and Sidon, and that would pretty much involve him, you know, healing people and eating with sinners and teaching in synagogues, all the normal stuff we've seen in the Gospel of Mark up till now. So he had just gotten into that town, and they were still mapping out their plan of attack, like where they were going to get people's attention and how the things they were going to do and how they were going to start spreading the word, just kind of getting ready to go up there. And Jesus was staying at his friend's house up there, and they had just got there. And we're planning all this out, and they were keeping things uh, kind of on the down low so they could get their plans together before people started showing up wanting to meet him, because by this time, Jesus was pretty famous, you know. And there was this woman living up there who was a Greek person who had a daughter who was very, very mentally ill. She was uh, demonized as they would say back then. Now, what that actually looked like, we don't know, because in this particular case, Mark doesn't tell us any of the child's symptoms. I mean, you can, you can pretty much guess what that looked like. But anyway, this, uh, this Greek woman with her demonized daughter somehow heard that Jesus was in town before this was publicly announced. And uh, this, <clears throat> this Greek woman was uh, possessed with the trait of persistence, the very positive trait, I should stress, of persistence. Many people are blessed with this trait. Uh, many people are verbally persistent in pursuit of their desired outcomes. And you probably know some. I think it is fair to say that we all know people who are verbally persistent in going after what they want. And I think it is also fair to say, because it is relevant to this story, that somehow becoming a Mother makes you even more verbally persistent, especially if you already have this uh, quality. I don't have any scientific data to prove that, but I think we could demonstrate that anecdotally. Now, what do I mean when I say this Greek woman was verbally persistent? I will, I will illustrate. So um, you go into the store with your mother. Babe, that's my wife, Becky, back there, by the way. Raise your hand, Becky. So, um, baby, <laughs> any resemblance to actual events and what I'm about to say is purely coincidental. Um, that woman has been my best friend and life partner since June 10th of 1982, by the way. So this is, yes, yes. 
So if you're good at math, this is like the 40th anniversary of us. And I hope you're thinking, you guys don't look old enough to be together 40 years. You are thinking that, right, sir? I hope so. Well, when you start at 14, you're not that old when you get to, get to 40, and that's, uh, that's where we started. And so um, a big part of the last 40 years for her have been spent trying to stop me from saying stupid things. But she very rarely succeeds in doing that. Although she did help me with this message, which would be even more stupider than it is what you're hearing now. She hadn't been involved in it. But anyway, I'm telling you back that... Um, this is just a, a, this happen, This may or may not happen to bear uh, some similarity to real life situations. So, you go into the store with your mother, and you get in. Uh, you go in there, uh, you know, to get something, and you come out of the store to the car, and you don't have what you were sitting there to get. And she's waiting in the car, looking at her phone. And she says, "Oh, they didn't have any." And you say, "No, they didn't. They were out." She says, "Did you ask if they have any more?" Well, there were none on the shelves. They were out. Do you know that for sure? Do I know for sure that there were none on the shelves? Yes, I could see that. Do you know that all they have are on the shelves? Maybe there are some more in the back. Why would they be in the back? You, you, you can't sell them if they're in the back. Why would you leave them in the back? Did you ask if they have any in the back? The website says they have two left at this location. Maybe you have to deal with that. I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the website hasn't updated yet. Maybe it only updates every 30 minutes. Did you ask how often it updates? I asked some kid working in there if they had any. He said, if we did, they would be on the shelf. They were not on the shelf. But did you ask him how often the website updates? I did not ask him that, no. Did you ask the manager? I did not talk to the manager, no. I did not. Well, I'm going to talk to the manager. Drive me up to the door, please. You been there? You're going to show that app to the manager? You're going to refer the manager to his own inventory control system? I'm going to ask if they have any in the back because the website says they have two in stock. Okay. It says they have two. What's the point of coming all the way over here and not even ask when it says they have them? Well, you go ask. That's what I'm going to do. Take me up to the door. Persistent. You know what? Ten minutes later, she comes out with both of them. Because she asked. You don't have because you don't ask. Persistence get a lot done, man. Persistence changes people's minds, don't it? It wears you out. So this Greek woman shows up at this house where Jesus is staying. He has not started his tour up there entire yet, but she wants her daughter healed. So she's, it'll say in your Bible, she starts pleading with him or she starts begging him to heal her daughter. And Jesus is like, how did you get in here? How'd she get in here? Uh, because, you know, really, technically, no one's even supposed to know I'm in town yet. She says, understood. Heal my daughter and I'm out of here. He says, well, listen, you know, we're really not ready to do that yet. Plus, I need to focus on the Jewish people up here first. Okay, that's, that's why I came up here. It, it's, it's pretty, you know, um, politically important that I focus on the Jewish people up here first. You understand, right? She says, I understand. Heal my daughter, and then you can focus on them Jewish people. Well, but uh, well, see, after I do that, though, this place will be like crawling with Greeks, and the Jews won't come, and th they'll get mad, and it'll just all be a mess. I'm not going to tell anybody. Heal her. Please. Now. Persistent. So uh, Jesus is a prophetic person, right? He's a religious celebrity, and plus he's a guy. <laughs> 
So he decides he's going to lay some wisdom on her. Throw down a wise man saying to end the discussion. So he says, let the children eat all they want first. Because it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Mm-hmm. How do you like that? Talking about how, uh, by the way, uh, how he, Jesus, needs to focus on the Israelite people first, right? The Jews, God's children, God's chosen people first, you know? Take care of them first. Then you feed the dogs, these Gentiles, mixed blood people, these unclean people, these pagan people, you know, who worship Asclepius and all that. After you take care of God's people, you give those people what's left up. So you chew on that for a while. It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She says, what did you just call me? So I wasn't really calling you anything. I, I was using a metaphor for Did he just call me a dog? Is that how you think about women? No, I do not think about women like that. Then why would you say that? I did not say that you are a, what you said I said. I would never say that. I compared you in this situation as a type of person, not an individual, to a dog. It has nothing to do with your gender. It has to do with your, your race, my race. What about my race? Well, you're not Jewish. See, see, dog is a metaphor that Jewish people use. Jewish isn't a race. It's a religion. Well, yes, technically. Okay, yes. Judaism is a religion. Yes. But Jewish people, what kind of person are you? I'm trying to raise a child with serious mental health issues, and I come in here and ask you for help, and you tell me I'm a dog? Well, I, yes. Yes, I guess I did say that. <laughs> well, listen, even the dogs eat the scraps off the table, don't they? Um, they, they do. Yes. I have seen them do that. So <clears throat> a year or so before this happened, um, there's another story in the Gospel of John very much like this one. It's famous for the same reason that this story in Mark 7 is famous. So before Jesus was famous, uh, right after he'd been baptized by John the Baptist and he had recruited his very first followers and was planning how to launch his ministry, he went back home to Nazareth. And while he was up there, there was a family wedding at a town about four miles over called Cana. So Jesus went over there with his new disciples and a bunch of his family and friends. And of course, his mother, uh, Mary, went with them. So they get to this wedding. And back then, weddings were not like an evening at the banquet center, man. They were like modern, uh, you know, destination weddings where everyone's going to go to Lauderdale and hang out and party all weekend or four or five days. Big deal like that. So Jesus and Mary are at this wedding. And one day he's there chilling with his friends, you know, hanging out. And he feels someone pulling on his sleeve and turns around and sees his mom. He's like, what? And she pulls him aside and says, listen. You, you know the story? Miriam just told me they're out of wine. They're about to run out of wine. Okay, and? Well, they need help. She's such a wonderful person, Miriam. We need to do something to help them, Joshua. Mom, why are you trying to drag me into this? Well, don't you think you could do something to help them? You got all these guys here. Couldn't you do something? You've been saying you want to do something big. Ma, it's not time. Now it's not, now it's not the time. How is it not the time? Tell me. Why is it not the time, Joshua? They need help. Mom, please. 
I don't understand you. And she just takes off, right? You remember this story? So he turns back to his friends, you know, rolls his eyes. Ten minutes later, he feels the tug on his sleeve again, turns around. Mary's got one of the waitresses from the catering company with her. He's like, hi. And she pushes the waitress up at Jesus and says, just do whatever he tells you, honey, and walks off. Isn't that great? So Jesus looks at Mary. He's looking at this waitress. The waitress smiles at him. She says, your mother is a persistent woman. <laughs> he says, you have no idea. She says, are you in the wine business? Looks like I am now. All right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, you see those jars over there? Fill them up with water and start drawing it out and watch what happens. Remember that story? It's the water to wine story, right? And you know, if you look at the literature on John chapter 2, that chapter where that story is, there are literally millions of words been published in articles and books and commentaries trying to explain theologically or narrative critically what happened between the beginning of that story and the end that made Jesus change his mind about turning that water to wine. Like there must be some deep theological reason why he did that, right? When it is obvious that the reason he did that is that his mother asked him and she would not take no for an answer and he wasn't going to embarrass her in front of this waitress. Persistence works. Sometimes people make people change their minds. Even Christ changed his mind. You don't have because... You don't ask. Jesus looked at this Greek woman. She says, listen, even the dogs eat the scraps off the table. And she has tears in her eyes by this time, man, because she can feel it slipping away. Like when you can feel the hope draining out of you, you know? Are you going to tell me I got this close? And you're not even going to listen to me because I'm not part of your big plan that you got to work out, man? Even the dogs get the leftovers. He said, uh, yeah, I guess they do. I, I think you should go check on your daughter. I think you might be surprised. She did, and she was. Very pleasantly surprised because the demons were gone. Because Jesus changed his mind. Because he liked what she said. Because of her word, Mark says this happened. Jesus liked her persistence. You don't, you don't have because you don't ask, man. So you're saying, so you're telling me that if I just keep asking, I'll get whatever I ask for. God will give me whatever I ask for if I keep asking. Is that how it works? Name it and claim it. You've all heard that, right? So, uh, man, this is thick stuff, right? So he can, un he can clean up all this mess I'm making right here uh, later during the week, and I'm sure he will have to because I'll be out of here and he'll still be answering your emails and stuff like that. So uh, let me give you the short answer to that question, a short answer to that question, which, of course, is a very complex and detailed theological question, whether if we have enough faith, we can ask God for anything and we'll get it. You know, like that mustard seed faith? Y'all talk about that, dude? He's a very realistic person, so maybe less than you hear in some places. Like that mustard seed faith, you know, that moves mountains. You know, if I had enough faith, we could just ask God and get him to change his mind about everything. Or could we? That's the, that's the question. So uh, let me give you a short answer to that question for you to think about. 
And uh, then I'm going to tell you the reason you're asking. The question is, so if I just keep asking, will God give me whatever I ask for? And the answer is this. And the answer is this. So Ryan has pointed out now, right here and there throughout the Gospel of Mark, this series he's been doing has been on the Gospel of Mark, like walking through the ministry of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And so he's pointed out how here and there through the Gospel of Mark and in the other Gospels, uh, we see that every so often uh, Jesus will he'll get to where he's about to blow a fuse and just take off by himself up some mountain to pray. You're familiar with that? And, and he'll go up there and pray all night sometimes. Or he'll send his disciples in the boat, and then he said, I'm going to pray, and then I'll come over and meet you. He started his ministry, right, by fasting and praying, like you're going to do next week, in the desert for 40 days. Man, he just, Jesus just prayed all the time. And uh, what Jesus was saying in all those long prayer sessions, we wish we knew, right? But we do know exactly what he said in one of them. We know the last prayer that Jesus prays in the Gospel of Mark, word for word verbatim. His very last prayer was, God, why have you forsaken me? That's the answer to the question, can I just ask for anything and God will always change his mind? He didn't change his mind that day, did he? And the reason we would ask that question in the first place is that, in fact, in the past, you also have felt forsaken. Right? You have asked God for things and didn't get them. And sometimes you've asked him over and over again, and he hasn't changed his mind. Right? And it wasn't just for selfish things, like give me that car or give me that house or make him ask me out or give me that promotion or heal my acne. We ask for junk like that all the time, and sometimes we don't get it. But a lot of times you asked for things that were for the good of other people. Or there were times when you were begging and begging God to help you overcome something that was killing you, man, or dragging you down or killing someone else and dragging them down. James says, you don't have because you don't ask. Well, I've asked. And God won't change his mind, right? Why won't he change his mind? So I want to tell you something about myself. Is this okay if I do this? Again, I'm going to be out of here after today. So we, um, <laughs> this is a true thing I'm about to say. Not that I would tell you anything else false up to this point. Um, I am a very mentally ill person. I have had a serious eating disorder for 40 years, since I was four, 14 years old. And on top of that, I've had entire decades of my life eaten up with depression and anxiety. Some of you can relate to this? Supposedly, statistically, like a third of you in here are on some kind of psychiatric medication, whether the serious stuff or just the stuff they give out, like candy, whenever you go in and don't feel good. And maybe more than a third of you, maybe half, I don't know, maybe all of you. And... Uh, for decades, man, that was just my story, and uh, gone through seasons where the medicine they were giving me to cure me almost killed me twice, like almost made me kill myself twice. And for a long, long time, I never understood what James was talking about when he said, you don't have because you don't ask, right? Because I had begged God on my knees, night and day, lying on the floor crying, begged him to change his mind and start helping me, asking and asking and asking. Man, I never understood that whole you don't have because you don't ask God deal. What I understood was, why have you forsaken me? 
And man, this had got to the, I don't know if I've told you this story or not. This had got to the point where um, I hated God. I just hated him because he wouldn't listen. I felt like this woman in this story felt where I'm, I'm telling you this is an urgent need that I need right now. And you're just paying no attention and you're acting like you're going to deflect every, every time I ask, right? So honestly, I just stopped asking. I mean, I never prayed at all for years because I couldn't stand uh, to talk to him. Is this okay? Is this too dark? It's just what it is, man. So I'm feeling better. Thank you, brother. Uh, so one night when I was really in the throes of the uh, eating disorder thing, having a really bad night, where like the kind of night where you're lying in bed uh, working out the value proposition and going on living like this versus just being dead, if you ever had nights like that. I had this uh, experience like a visionary experience, I guess you would say, uh, where God revealed something to me that healed me in one instant. Like that. It's an amazing story. Y'all want to hear that story? My amazing revelation of God's healing story that'll, that'll heal you in one second. You want to hear that? Well, I ain't got time to tell you that. So you want to hear that, tell Ryan that I'll come back some other day and tell you that story because it actually takes a long time to tell. Very amazing but very dark. you got to sign a waiver before you get to that one. But at a very high level, what happened was that God healed me of that hate for him. Now, my illness, like my eating disorder and anxiety and all that, actually got much worse after that. It didn't get any better. That prayer was not answered. Like, God did not change his mind about that. And his mind still has not changed about that to this very day. Because I'm still not healed of that. But in that moment, in that experience, my mind changed. To where I suddenly understood that God was with me. And whatever happens, he's on my side. Even when uh, he doesn't do what I want him to do or what I need him to do. So y'all know, you've been there obviously, but <laughs> who ain't, man? This is where we live. So y'all know, uh, if you've been paying any attention at all here these past couple months, Ryan is using this series on Mark to teach this concept of the Kairos circle. You've, you've heard him say that, right? You sick of hearing that yet? I think he's going to do a whole sermon on it next week until you, until you get it down. Uh, Kairos, it's K-A-I-R-O-S. Kairos is the biblical Greek word for time, time, but not chronological clock time. It actually means what the English word chance means, like this is your chance. You know what I'm saying? This is your time to do something. This is your opportunity time. This is your moment to listen and respond to God in a way that you never have before that changes you. Is that basically right? Tied to your listening and obedience. Kairos moments are the moments when things change. Like the title of our series, things can change. Moments when the world changes or when you change. So a lot of the time when we're praying, uh, we're asking God to change something in the world out there. Like my daughter's got this problem and I need you to fix it. We don't like how God has let the world be and so we want him to change his mind. We beg him to change his mind until we get frustrated and mad at him and then we quit asking, Right? So some of you have quit asking about certain things. Is that, is that right? Maybe you asked or you just 
quit. Even really important things. You kind of quit asking a long time ago because God just won't change his mind. Or honestly, you're not sure if he would answer at this time. And there's really no reason to keep asking if he's not going to answer, so you're just going to deal with it and stop thinking about it, stop talking about it, stop asking about it. But what if you ask God again one more time and it changes your mind this time? You don't have because you don't ask me. So ask again. Maybe this is your Kairos moment. Maybe this time God changes his mind or you change yours. Either way, you feel better about the way the world is, right? So what do you got to lose? So uh, I want to close with a little exercise, uh, a quick prayer exercise. Isn't that cool if we do that? Because you all pray some in this church. He just prayed before, and our brother led an awesome uh, message and a word before for somebody in here and apparently a lot of people in here. Uh, Can we just do a really, and I mean quick, like 10 seconds quick exercise. Quick prayer exercise. You don't have to know nothing about prayer to do this. Very simple. I want you to think about something that's really, really important to you. Uh, Maybe this is something that you've prayed about over and over, but that wish has never come true. Or maybe it's uh, so important to you that you've never really prayed about it much because you either don't think God can do it or you just can't bear to hear him say no. I want you, okay, so I want you to think about that one thing. This is serious. Just think for a second about that thing or that person or that challenge or that struggle you're having or that experience or situation, whatever, that you really, really want God to do something about. And man, listen, aim high because it's the same price for the mission either way, right? So think for a second about something big. Don't have to be for you. It can be for some other person. Or some other situation or some other place. Okay? You got it? So I just want you to do this. In a second, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut up. And I just want you in your mind, silently, to name that problem or person or situation or thing you want to happen. And then just say, God, I want you to either change this or change me. Okay? Either change your mind and answer me this time or change my mind so I don't want it anymore. Is that fair? Who knows, man? Maybe it works this time. You ready? Okay. You ready? You're going to say what it is. You're going to say either change your mind or change your mind. Ready? Go. Ten seconds. And then I will close. So, God, you hear what all these people are saying? All these things that are bothering us? We're asking you right now one more time to change things. We're going to believe that this is the moment when something is different. You said we don't have because we don't ask, so we're asking. So either change the situations we're thinking about or change us. Lord, give us what we want or make us not want that anymore. Change your mind or change our minds. And... uh, Either way, it'll be okay. Amen. Hey, even the dogs eat the scraps off the table, man. Let's see what happens, okay? So, Ryan, are you going to close with a prayer, a prayer time for everybody here, especially in light of what our brother shared before?
That's all I got to say, by the way. I'm going to turn it back over to this brother right here. But don't, don't stop. Go ahead, Ryan. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, yeah, I, I think that, wow, that was uh, really good. And no, no, I, I think it was deep because I think that's all stuff we're, we're all going through on some level, right? I mean, if, if you're not, you just, I don't know what, I'm, I wish I was you. Because <laughs> um, I know there's probably five things in my life that I just hate about myself or I wish were different or wish could change or wish had been different, right? You know, I think that's everyone's kind of plight. Um, but, you know, here's the thing is um, things can change and a lot of times, I think Jesus is waiting for us to um, change as much as he will. I think there's some things that we just can't move to until we'll move past this one thing that he's like saying, hey, 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 I got this for you, but we got we to gotta get this one down. Like you can't go to fourth grade till you pass, you know, third grade. And, and I think that there's some, some stuff like, I believe... As I've kind of prayed this year, I felt like there's some clogs in the drain. Like there's some stuff God wants to do in this church. Like this is an amazing place. Um, Like a year ago today was my final interview here. And I just think that when I woke up, like, yeah. So this is a, it's actually a really special day for me because 23 years ago, way more important than this job by a mile. I love y'all, but not even close. 23 years ago today was my and my wife's first date. So, so I'm not as old as you, but 23 to 40, but, uh, <laughs> um, but we were a little older when we started dating too. But I just was thinking about when I woke up this morning, I was like, man, a lot has changed on my life, like on this day. And I don't know if this day became a monument as much as like there was this, these Kairos moments where God did something and, you know what I mean? And just moved some things. And I, and I think that there's stuff that like God wants to, I don't know, maybe March 6th will become special to a lot of people today. Not like just because it is to me or whatever and or just what even what it means, but it's like things can change. And, and there's a chance today that I think revival and healing could happen in some people's hearts um, if we'll just maybe dial it up a notch. I'm not trying to say manufacture stuff if some people on the worship team want to come up, we're just going to pray for a little bit. But I just want to see breakthrough happen. Like who, don't you want to see a move of God on the earth in your time that's like, like you can't even imagine? Like, wouldn't it be sweet if in like 100 years, 75 years, if the world's even still here, if, if like people like knew like around 2022, like something busted out in the church in Cincinnati and in the world, like it transformed things. Because a lot of bad stuff's happening, a lot of bad stuff's coming, and listen, like if we don't change, if we don't dial up like our tenacity or our willingness to ask or our willingness to be different, we'll get swept away. Because what's happening in the world, you won't be able to straddle it very easily, right? There won't be a lot of lukewarm left. Like the lukewarm and the cold will get the same treatment, and it'll just suck you in if your heart's not there. Because it's scary. And so if prayer teams want to come up, we're just going to pray. And if you like, God, maybe you just need more hunger. Maybe you're like, I'm just an apathetic loaf of bread just sitting here on the counter. 
half the time. And I want stuff to do it, but I don't do anything about it. Or maybe you need some real viable, like if this does not change, I'm toast. I don't know if I'm ever going to make it. Or maybe you don't even know Jesus and you're like, dude, I just need something different in my life. Can you all spread out? Let's spread out. There we go. All the way down. Great. Spread out to the back too. That's perfect. Um, I just think that um, we're at a time, we're at like a Kairos moment in history of opportunity, of potential. And um, whatever it is, if you need something physical, if you need something like emotional, if you need something financial, uh, relational, we're not going to say that we're going to just blab it and grab it or name it, claim it, but we're actually going to ask and we're just going to believe that Jesus can do exceedingly abundant even more than we can ask or imagine. So whatever it is, maybe you hate your job. Maybe you hate yourself. Maybe you hate your life. Maybe you hate your your physical condition what, or your emotional state. Maybe you're mentally ill. Maybe you're like, I got this stuff and no matter how many pills I take, it ain't helping anymore. Maybe you're bitter. Maybe you're judgmental. Maybe you're cruel. Maybe you're easily angered. Maybe you shoot up. Maybe you look at stuff you shouldn't all the time. Whatever it is. Maybe you lie a lot. Things can change. But for a revival to take place, we got to be a place of surrender. We got to be people that say yes to Jesus. And not that we got to, we get to. Like the king is our dad. And he doesn't want us just settling for the scraps. Yeah, we'll take the scraps that fall off the table, but, but we're the children. We're the ones, we're the children Jesus was talking about. Just kind of put your hands up in a posture like this. We have lots of time. If you need to go get kids, go get kids, but we're done a little early today. There's lots of time to pray. Don't feel like you got to rush out. That lunch you want to get or wherever you got to be, like this, this might be your day. Sometimes God moves outside of your schedule and mine. Would you come Holy Spirit? Would you change things? Just like you healed this girl in an instant. Lord, you also did something in her mom and you did something like something happened in Jesus. Lord, would you let heaven meet earth today in a tangible way? Would you pour your spirit out on the vineyard Florence, Lord? I pray for a revival, God. We want it. Maybe you're on the fence about fasting. Maybe you're even in here and you're ticked that I asked you to fast. Like, how dare you or... Why would you? That's so antiquated. Or you don't know my situation. Like, let that garbage go and just see what the Lord wants. Lord, help some people in here be sick of themselves today. Some of the arrogance, the prima donna stuff, the diva stuff that our culture just pounds into us, Lord, that we've maybe been raised with. Would you just take this stuff out of us, Lord? I don't want to prefer myself so freaking much anymore, Jesus. I want to be a man for others. Let this be a church that is people for others, those men and women and kids for others, Lord. Just break our hearts at what break yours, Lord. And I pray even for a spirit of awareness to come on people today. Would you just pour forth stuff that change? Would you move today, Jesus? We love you, Father. And we just ask. We're not going to stop asking until you bring it. I am personally going to wear you out 
until we see revival in this church in this time. But let it start with me, Lord. As you'd forgive me for the many, many ways I fail and the jerk I can be and the myopic vision I can have and the pleasure-seeking I can pursue and how lazy I can be, Jesus. What do you mean us here today? In Jesus' name, amen. If you want prayer, come on up. We love you. If you just want to sit and pray and soak, just uh, do that today. Don't don't run out of here without uh, receiving and asking. Bless you guys.